0: Okay, so this Christmas, uh, we're looking at carols to make the heart sing. and Our carol this morning is the one that we've just sung, Angels from the Realms of Glory. And we're looking at the angels' visit to Joseph in Matthew's Gospel, which we had uh, read just before. Now, I want to say straight up that even as a church pastor, it always feels a bit weird talking about angels. Uh, If you're not familiar with the Bible, you might think that they're there on every page. Uh, Especially if you, you generally come at Christmas time, you hear lots about angels. But actually... Uh, in the thousands of years recorded in Bible history, there are only about 30 appearances of angels. So most of the people in the Bible never saw an angel. I've never seen an angel as far as I know. And of those 30 appearances, five of them happen around the time of Jesus' birth. So if you go into this story sceptically, don't let the angels put you off. Even in the Bible, this is not an everyday occurrence. The point of actually all these angels is to show you how extraordinary this is. This is something out of the ordinary, even in the Bible. So, this morning I've got two goals. I believe in being upfront. First of all, if you're a sceptic this morning, I don't expect to be able to convince you that this is true in 20 minutes. But what I do want to show you is that this is possible. More than that, that this is plausible. If you leave this morning thinking, you know, I thought this was bonkers before I came in, but you know, I recognise it's maybe a little less bonkers than I've done my job this morning. And secondly, if you're a believer this morning, I want to show you how amazing this story is afresh. We know, don't we, that familiarity breeds contempt, that's what they say, isn't it? And we hear this story lots and lots, we hear it every year, don't we? But we know, uh, we need to get to know again this story, just how extraordinary and amazing this is. So what do we see in our passage this morning? Well, we see that parents really explain the children, we get an insight into the parents, it's a bit like that film. Uh, meet the parents uh, that you get. You don't really find out much about Jesus, but you do find out about Mary and Joseph. Now there are some people that you meet, aren't there, that you don't quite understand them until you've met their parents. Uh, I know we've got some parents and children and grandchildren here this morning, but sometimes you don't really understand someone, do you, until they've met their parents. Then everything starts to fit into place. Some of their sort of strange words and things like that, you understand where it comes from. Or perhaps it was, you know, when you met your partners or more dad if you've got a partner. Uh, and suddenly you, you've got that classic meet the parents sort of situation. And it can be sort of strange, especially at Christmas time because everybody's got their own weird Christmas traditions but nobody knows that they're weird until you bring your partner along for the first time or bring someone along to be at your Christmas. You know, or we always open our presents at midnight the night before and, you know, we always stay up in our pajamas until two o'clock in the morning. And you think it's totally normal until you meet... Uh, your family, who uh, you meets some other family, and you realise that you do it very differently. Well, Matthew here is doing a meet the parents for us. He's going to show us there are some pretty quirky things about Mary and Joseph. And he's showing them so that we can understand Jesus better. By showing us what they're like, he's trying to show us what Jesus is like. So the first thing we see is a virgin mother, a virgin mother. What he's showing us is that Mary was no ordinary mother. Because Jesus was no ordinary child. Now the story here that we get in Matthew's Gospel is about as PG as stories can get, can't you? isn't it? Other cultures and other religions certainly have stories of children born to uh, gods. But the women are not virgins, and they're certainly not by the end of the story, let's say. But here, Mary is a virgin. Not because Christians are prudes about sex. Read the rest of the Bible. You'll find out the rest of the Bible is certainly not PG. There's anything but... But this is certainly something totally different, isn't it? This is something strange. There are no other stories quite like this in the Bible. There are no other virgin births in the Bible. There are miraculous births. So Elizabeth in Luke's Gospel has a miraculous baby. Because she's been trying all her adult life to have a baby. and Actually, she's too old to have a child. The same happens with Sarah, Abraham's wife, in the Old Testament. They're too old to have a baby. But this is quite deliberately different. There's no other story in the Bible quite like it. And Mary really is a virgin, not just a young woman, as you sometimes hear. The passage makes it clear in verse 18, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Or in verse 20, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What it's saying is that this is something supernatural. It's not just that she was a young woman who got pregnant. This is something supernatural going on. And the passage also shows how this was predicted beforehand, hundreds of years before. The quote that you get in that passage that we have read, you know, Behold the virgins shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, that quote is from the 7th century BC, from a prophet called Isaiah. Now you may have heard that that could mean young woman or unmarried woman in the original language. But really, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Because really, what would be the prophecy? What would be amazing about a prophecy saying that a young woman was going to give birth? That wouldn't be anything sort of miraculous. That wouldn't be a great sign, would it? No, actually, the reason that it's a prophecy, the reason that it's something amazing is that it does stand out of the ordinary. So the angel tells Joseph that what we have with Mary is a virgin birth. And an angel tells Mary the same thing in Luke's Gospel. But why? Why is it important to have birth from a virgin? Well, again, it's not that God is anti-sex. It's not that uh, there's something better about remaining a virgin. Mary almost certainly didn't. Uh, So verse 25, but until, uh, knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Did you know in the Gospels Jesus has brothers? The most likely explanation is that they're Mary and Joseph's. So why is this such a big deal? Well, Matthew, there's been lots of sort of theories down through history, but Matthew wants us to point to that prophecy about uh, the Virgin in Isaiah. It was a promise made by God um, to a, a king at the time, a descendant of a great king called David. You might have heard of King David from David in the light. You know, the dragon. The dragon? The dragon. to <laughs> me one of those. really at his There are no dragons in the Bible. Okay. Apart <laughs> from saying, Okay, no, there is... Oh, man. Right, I'm just going to stop digging. Giant slayer. Giant slayer, David. God promised David that a descendant of his would be a forever king. The Messiah who would reign over the whole world. And this Messiah king would come from his own body, would be from his own line. But David's kingly line was always very fragile. There were times when it was nearly broken. And God promised later on at the time when it seemed really fragile that he was going to keep it going. And the sign was going to be a virgin birth. That's what that prophecy in Isaiah is about. The sign that the Messiah definitely would come through David's line was the virgin giving birth. So this would be no ordinary child. You see there in the prophecy that he was called Emmanuel. That means God with us. This is no ordinary child. The virgin birth was to be a sign that God had been born. So Jesus was God with us. So Jesus' mum's identity shows us a bit about Jesus. But Jesus' mum was a special case in that way. But then again, so was his dad. So what we see next is a forgiving father. Let me read to you again verses 19 and 20. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Saying, "Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." Joseph here is addressed by the angel as the son of David. It's a reminder that he is a direct descendant of King David, and he will be the adopted father of Jesus. But if you think about Joseph, what would you have done in Joseph's shoes? Think of the situation. You just got engaged. And your fiancé turns up saying one day that she's pregnant and that the baby's not yours. (coughs) You're in a culture where this kind of thing will bring shame to your family and you're in a culture where engagement was so strong in those days it was effectively like marriage. That's why it speaks about him divorcing her when they were only engaged. You'd actually need to get divorced from your engagement. If your partner died while you were engaged then you'd be called a widow or a widower. So it's something really serious. And not something that you could easily get out of. But you know what you'd be thinking, don't you, in that sort of situation? Well, I know it's not mine, whose <coughs> is it? How can you do this to me, Mary? When we were saving ourselves for our marriage and you're off sleeping with who knows who, what would you do? Shame Shamer? Drag her through the court clear your name? Take on Jeremy Kyle? Or whatever's replaced that. i have sort of lost touch with what's going on there. Well, Joseph chooses to divorce her quietly. You see, he had two options in those days. You could either have a, a court case, where it could all be out in the open, out in public, or you could have a private hearing before two judges, and it would just be dealt with quietly. Joseph opts for the latter. He doesn't want to expose Mary to public shame. Instead of condemning her, he shows her grace. But we're the more pristine as well, Joseph, in similar situations. But he doesn't divorce her in the end. That's his plan. But he doesn't do it. Why doesn't he go through it? Well, the angel tells us. It uh, tells me, uh, Joseph what's going on, but it also tells us that he was a just man. He was a righteous man. It's showing him as someone who does the right thing. He's not your average Joe, if you part of the pun. The word uh, just or righteous—it it means upright, it means holy. And sometimes, when we think about that word righteous or just, we think that they would do the opposite, wouldn't we? You think of someone, you know, just uh, has to stand up and, and, and make everything a big deal. But it's a misunderstanding of what it means for us as human beings to be holy. It means for us to be set apart, to be different. And isn't what Joseph does here set apart, different? It goes against what we think he would do, doesn't it? You'd think that he'd uh, show grief, wouldn't you? But instead he shows grace. And Joseph, as he does that, is really reflecting the character of God. God is a God of grace, of forgiveness. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about the bad stuff. He knows all the things that we've done, and all the things we haven't done. But Jesus' father, his adoptive father, knows what grace is. And he reflects it in the way that he treats Mary. And we know about grace at Christmas time, don't we? We say Santa's got his list, don't we, who's naughty and nice. But did you ever know a child that didn't get presents because they were naughty? I don't think I do. You can come and tell me afterwards if you know of any cases. But we always talk, oh yeah, you've you've got to be nice, otherwise you won't get your presents. But what parent doesn't actually give their children presents on Christmas Day, even if they've been naughty, And that's grace, isn't it? Despite our behavior, despite what we deserve, we get something good. That's grace. When we treat others like that, we're acting like God. Hang on though. Isn't God like Santa? Doesn't God have a list of naughty and nice? You know, January 1st, 9am, made new, uh, made New Year's resolution to stop losing temper. Later on on January 1st, family game of Monopoly. Ends in broken plate, broken board, and trip to A&E with broken nose. <laughs> what it would be like in our my uh, family growing up. None of us are spotless are we? Let's face it, if the list was there, it would be a long one uh, with naughty, wouldn't it? But God does have a list of all the things that we've done, good or bad. That's true. But what God does is offer us a list swap. He offers to tear up our list and give us somebody else's. Now imagine if you could swap your list of naughty uh, with someone else, who would you swap it with? Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Bono, he gets a lot of airplay this time of year, doesn't he? But even then, none of them have spotless lists, do they? But God offers us something even better. He offers us to let us swap our list with Jesus. Jesus had a spotless list. And his gift to us is that list. He lived a spotless life that began at Christmas. There was nothing on the naughty side of his list the whole of his life. And he offers to swap his list for ours an exchange. He takes our list that would damn us. And he gives us his list that means that we spend eternity at the right hand of God. That is the grace that he offers for those who will take it. And that's the kind of grace that Joseph shows in treating Mary like he does. Not treating her as she deserves, but treating her with grace. So that divorce doesn't happen. The other reason the divorce divorce doesn't happen is that an angel speaks to him. So our last point. Meet the angel. Let me read to you verses 20 and 21. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Then you will save his people from their sins. An angel steps in with a message for Joseph. Mary has not cheated on him. There's no illicit relationship going on. No, this is no uh, illegitimate, unknown love child. This is God's baby. Now, perhaps Mary had told Joseph this. You imagine, because the angel had told her, you imagine that she would have passed that on. But let's face it, it's a pretty far-fetched story, isn't it? If Mary had told that to Joseph, it would seem very convenient that this has happened just then. But actually, that's, uh, Joseph does now believe it, doesn't he? Uh, he? He wanted some evidence, if you like. I think we would wouldn't we in that sort of situation. And now the angel has given him some. But that's not the only thing the angel says. The angel tells him about the child before they're born. Now, when Caroline, my wife, was pregnant, we had lots of people trying to tell us things about the baby before they were born. So you know, I don't don't know if you've ever come across these sort of things, we go, oh, big bum, big baby, that's one of them. Mum craving chocolate, that would mean a sweet tooth for the baby. Baby kicking in the middle of the night, awkward baby. Um, Caroline got internal bruising uh, from one of our children that he kicked so hard while he was inside. I'm not sure what that says, uh, really, about the child. I think we're still working that out. Uh, But the angel here isn't into old wives' tales. He tells Joseph some very specific things about the child's future. This is no sort of vague mystic Meg or Russell Grant. We're told that the child is going to be a saviour. Now that's a religious word, but it really means a rescuer, a hero. You know, so if you're trapped in a burning building, the fireman is your saviour. Drowning in a pool, the lifeguard is your saviour. Car broken down, the AA is your saviour. Other breakdown groups are (laughs) available. Not many parents, though, know what their kids are going to be, do they? They don't know that they're going to grow up to be something. One of my kids hasn't decided. The other one wants to be an assistant pastor. He wants to be my assistant pastor. He told me a few weeks ago so that he can take over when I die. (laughs) I'll leave you to guess which one that is. But we don't know, do we? But here, the child's future is mapped out. He's to be a saviour. That's a strange career, isn't it? You don't get that often on careers advice. You know, you get baker, IT, accountant. Saviour, not so much. But even his name means God saves. That's what Jesus means. He was born for this. Now, the reason that saviour doesn't come up much in careers advice is that being a saviour, being a hero, means that there's something that we need saving from. The burning building, the swimming pool, the busy roadside. With heroes, it's people like Lex Luther, the dark side, or Faust, or things like that. You can't just be a generic saviour, can you? You can't just be a generic hero. But what did Jesus come to save us from? Well, the passage tells us he came to save us from our sins, from the wrong things that we've done. He came to save us from what our lists deserve, how we've not lived up even to our own standards let alone God's. Now I don't want to dwell on that too much, it's Christmas after all, but Jesus came to save us from that. The angel is bringing good news, good news of great joy. But to grasp what it means for Jesus to be saviour, and for it to be a joy to us, we need to understand that we need saving in the first place. See, Christians are those who come with a, a list full of good deeds to be rewarded, but a list of bad deeds that we need saving from. However good or bad we've been, we need to give our whole list to Jesus, our good deeds and our bad deeds, and he'll exchange it for his own perfect list. Only then can we know the joy of sins forgiven. Only then can we truly know God. Only then can we enjoy eternity with God in glory. So this Christmas time, hear the angel's message. Don't just meet the parents, Mary and Joseph. Meet the Lord Jesus, no longer a baby, but risen and ascended on high. Come and give your list to him, ask him for forgiveness. Come and start a new life with him as your king and your saviour. And as with angels in the realms of glory, come. This is why I'm not singing. And worship Christ the true king. We're not going to sing that carol now. We're going to okay. sing while shepherds uh, watch their flocks by night. And that will tell you a few more ways that you can think that through. So let's stand and sing.